Jackson live from the ESPN 690 and the Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Hey, welcome in to the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp Headquarters. We call it the Baseball Grounds, 121 Financial Ballpark, Bragan Field. Don't ever forget about the Bragans. And here we are awaiting Ronald Acuna Jr. I'm tailgating outside the ballpark. Couldn't get in. They didn't open the back gate for me. Or we had a misunderstanding on which one is the back gate. There's, I guess, 15 back gates, but one Tiki Hut gate. And I'm near the Tiki Hut. Where else are you going to hang out? I'm getting out of the Tiki Hut, right? No, for sure, man. I just figured you have to to flex that name a little more, man, and break through the – you should just hop the fence. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, oh, well, I like tailgate. I'm just going to hang, hang out at the tailgate, I guess. So uh, here we are. Ronald Acuna Jr. is uh, do a real rehab stint here with Gwinnett against the uh, Jumbo Shrimp. Jumbo Shrimp playing some good baseball, too, coming back into town. And an exciting night because Doug Peterson gets to throw out the first pitch. Also, as we mentioned, uh, Ray Charles bobblehead all night. So a lot going on here at the ballpark, and it should be a beautiful week for Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp baseball. And uh, this is what it's about a little bit, right? I mean, you get to, you know, you get the minor league teams. I remember this growing up in Pawtucket, uh, and you get the Paw Sox just down the road from the uh, big league club, and you get guys like Wade Boggs and Roger Clemens and Mo Vaughn and those kind of guys coming back for rehab stints, and uh, that was one of the big draws to the ballpark. The Marlins these days don't have those kind of names. Now, if you really know baseball, uh, like Casey does in the minor league baseball, they've got some really young stars that are they're good players. But not like household names like this. Ronald Acuna Jr. is arguably the most exciting player in the league and one of the best players in Major League Baseball when healthy coming off the ACL. And this is his first action. So a lot of Atlanta attention on Jacksonville this week to keep an eye on Ronald Acuna Jr. as he gets back to the big league level. That's fun stuff, Austin Lane. Yeah, anytime you know you can come to the ballpark and and see a a world class baseball player like Ronald Acuna Jr. and just a guy that's kind of ushering in you know the the next generation of young baseball players. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's definitely a nice treat uh, for the fans here in Jacksonville. Yeah, uh, exciting baseball players in the game today. You think of who? I mean, I think of Otani obviously just because of what yeah. that guy can do. Uh, it doesn't stop there, Casey. What do you think of when I say? exciting baseball players in big league baseball um i mean mike trout comes to mind tim anderson comes to mind he's another uh big bat flip guy uh vlad guerrero jr and bo bichette come to mind but ronald acuna is very well in that conversation that like austin said ushering in the new wave the bat flips the chain the not buttoning your jersey all the way like he's a guy that's fun to watch play and he's definitely in the top five most exciting when he's healthy in my opinion yeah that's a good call by the way a couple of i mean i think we have a lot of those guys in big leagues i think otani might top the list uh in his global impact and doing what he does which is so unique in the sport which is hard to do at that level do something that nobody else does uh, i always put javi baez in in this and i wonder if that's about to go away guys because he's stuck in detroit yeah like are we not even going to, like, know Javi Baez is playing? I, I said this uh, recently. Who was I talking to? You know, Manny Machado is an unbelievable player. Unbelievable player. But I feel like he's almost made himself irrelevant in San Diego. Now, not in San Diego, but I mean to the rest of us. It's like, oh, yeah, Manny Machado still plays. He went five for five last week. Mm-hmm. He's, like, one of the best players in the game. And, 
Oh, he's in San Diego. I wonder if that's going to happen a little bit, guys, to Javi Baez. Yeah, but also I see a guy like Tatis Jr., who's, you know, graced the cover of MLB The Show. I mean, yeah. like, he, he's still in San Diego, and and, and he's still a, a big name and probably one of the most, um, we talk about the exciting players. I mean, he's definitely up there in terms of most exciting players in baseball once again when he is healthy. So I understand that sometimes you get lost in the shuffle a little bit depending where you play, but... I look at Otani and I look at Mike Trout and maybe, you know, Trout doesn't get as enough love as he should playing on the West Coast. But, I mean, if, if, if you're a good enough player, um, they're going to show the highlights. They're going to be talking about you on social media. So I feel like it's, it's kind of hard to hide uh, if you're exciting. If you're if, – look at Vlad Guerrero on the Blue Jays. You know, I mean, the Blue Jays – I haven't really been, the, you know, a relevant team the past, it seems like, past decade. Now, they're good this year, uh, and they were good last year a little bit. But I just feel like if you have the talent, if you have the star power, it doesn't matter where you play, people are going to figure you out. Yeah, that's a good call. I, I think um, it, it might just be more personality a little bit, kind of like the way what happened with Trout. Because you're right about Tatis Jr. I mean, he is electrifying, right? And it's maybe style. Machado doesn't play with that kind of flair. Machado's just really good. Like, Machado guys maybe a little Miguel Cabrera-esque where Miguel Cabrera in Detroit for a long time Marlins as well his game was so good like if you like baseball man that guy was unbelievable but I'm not sure you'd put him on the electrifying list you know what I mean yeah, no, I, I get you. But back to the Machado thing, I think Austin makes a good point because I think Tatis kind of hides what Machado is. Because when you think about San Diego, you think of Tatis, and then Machado, to your point, Brent, is not that guy. But I, I just want to throw that out there. That's that's why I think Machado kind of gets lost in the sauce a little bit. Yeah. Uh, well, Ronald Acuna Jr. is that guy. Uh, and, heck, I was going to save this for a little bit later on the show, but let's get right into it. I know we're at the baseball grounds, got Acuna coming in. By the way, it's hyped up that Acuna's here today. I mean, he's going to be here all week. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, today is kind of this debut, so that has a lot of impact. He, uh, By the way, it's the only day he'll talk is after tonight's game. We'll have that for you tonight on Action Sports Shacks on CBS 47, Fox 30, as our team will be out here covering it. So I think tonight is a hype day, but don't think like you just can see him today. You should be able to see him all week long, depending on how they play him, how they utilize him, uh, how they rest him. I don't know what the exact plan for Acuna Jr. is. Did he lose a little bit of luster last year when he goes out and the Braves end up winning the World Series? Like, did we overvalue how good of a player he was to that team if they were still able to win a World Series without him? I mean, I always think that baseball is the ultimate team game, and whether you're batting first or you're batting, you know, in the bottom of the hour, like everybody can get on fire, everybody can contribute. I mean, obviously the Braves winning the World Series, he maybe did get lost a little bit, but you can't deny just how great of a baseball player he is, even to the extent of I think if he did play the entire year, they probably would have had an easier time winning the World Series than what the Braves you know, really did. Casey? Um, I think you got to consider what they did to replace him because you had one human being, Ronald Acuna Jr., and to replace him, you traded for three human beings. Soler, who ends up being the World Series MVP, uh, Adam Duvall, who was on the Marlins at the time, and then Eddie Rosario. So you replace one human with three. So, yeah, they, they missed him a lot. Did they lose something not having him? Yeah, absolutely. But when you're able to make the moves to get three dudes to replace one, it's it's a little easier to replace one when you have three, I guess is what you're saying. But that's the impact he made that they felt the need to go get not one, not two, but three players to replace him. Think about your team, the Brewers. Could they win without... Who? Yelich? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. I mean, but he's I not mean, the guy he was two years ago. It doesn't seem No, I, I mean, I think the, the Brewers obviously are built a little different. I mean, the, the Brewers really did depend on solely on their, their their bullpen right now. I mean, McCutcheon arguably is probably their, their greatest asset so far. It's very early on in the season. Now, Yelich had a grand slam last night, um, so that was nice to see. But I think every team's built differently. And I think if you take one key bat out of the Brewers, that doesn't crush them. Yeah, because they're built more about the pitching. Uh, I like. I think about it from a Red Sox standpoint. You take J.D. Martinez out of that line. That's a heck of a lineup, by the way, the Red Sox have. And if you take him out there, I just don't think they're – I don't know if they would win. I, it doesn't feel like they would win. He's so clutch, and he's such a big part of it. Uh, but maybe you can in baseball. You know, Casey and I were talking a little bit about this earlier today. You go back and you think the Washington Nationals won after they got rid of Bryce Harper. Now, it wasn't the same team, but you get the point. They got rid of, like, the best player. And then they won a World Series right after they got rid of their best player. It can be a weird sport sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's why it's the, the ultimate team sport, because you can load a team with talent, but how is that talent going to play with each other? You know, and it's all about getting hot at the right time. Um, you know, I always say, like, year after year, I think the, the most talented rosters in baseball don't necessarily win the World Series. Usually in football, I mean, you look at the Rams last year. They probably had the most talented roster, or at least, yeah, you know, yeah. the, 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 the top two, top three most talented roster. Um, I remember that back when the Nationals won their World Series. No one was talking about how, how great the, the Nationals roster was. You know, they had good players, but top to bottom, you know, it was nothing to, to get scared of. But they somehow got it done. And that's why the sport of baseball is so great because you do have the equalizer with pitching. You, you do have the equalizer with guys getting hot at the right times or guys cooling off, um, you know, in the wrong times. And that's what makes the sport of baseball so great. Yeah, uh, pretty. It's, it's just uh, it's it's really interesting when you can. I mean, these are big money guys. These are big impact guys. They're fantastic players, and just to win without them, uh, I mean, I guess it's a little bit what we talk about. To it again, these circumstances are not all the same. I don't think this is apples to apples, but uh, we talk about a lot this year already in the NBA with John Morant, Austin. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like that guy's so good. And and I, and I still will not get to the point where I'm like, they're better without him. Their record is very good without him. They've been good without him, but they're not better without him. Yeah, it just goes to show you in terms of if you have a deep bench and you have the, the guys ready to fill in, um, you know, th that's just as important. You know, so sometimes like some of these signings that go on in, in Major League Baseball or in the NBA in terms of depth signings or in terms of signings with guys that maybe don't start right away, um, they get lost in the shuffle a little bit. But then, you know, when the stakes are the highest and maybe that star player is out and the guy has to fill in, I mean, that's where those, you know, the, those signings really count. So, I mean, to me, to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies, it's just it, it can attribute to the fact of they are so deep. And they've always been a deep team. They've been a very well-coached team. But it goes to show you that some teams are built for if you lose your star player, you can still do your thing and be competitive. Some teams, you lose your star player. I, I look at, like, the Lakers. They lost Anthony Davis and they were in shambles. Um, you know, LeBron James said a little bit, they were in shambles. Some teams just can't coexist without losing their top guy, and some teams can't.
Yeah. Uh, and by the way, like in the sport of football, you lose your quarterback, you feel like you're done. Now, the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles and Doug Peterson say, wait a minute now. Uh, but for the most part, you feel like you have no chance if you lose your quarterback, uh, who, who often is one of your top players. But obviously, the positional difference in value is uh, is a bit different. Casey, uh, give us the autograph uh, lowdown here today. Like, like what are what are the autograph seekers trying to do? Can they get him? Will they get Acuna today, this week? Do you think he'll sign anything? Well, I can tell you that about five minutes ago he got to the stadium. Uh, that's the report I just got. <laughs> you um, know that. and I, I'm like here and I don't know that. Yeah, apparently he pulled, <laughs> like up, he pulled up a couple minutes ago. Like um, per the usual Ronald Acuna, he said he would do it inside. He's not much of an outside signing guy. So uh, I can tell you there's about 15 people on the other side of the stadium from you, Brent. They were waiting for him. And I can tell you that 12 of those people missed him coming in because he came in in a different spot than my friend happened to be standing <laughs> by. So those people are going to be confused for a couple of hours. But nonetheless, apparently he is in the building and said he would do it inside. Obviously, no guarantees with that. We'll see what happens. But um, first game of rehab for usually any player, you can almost guarantee that they're probably going to do some at some point. Okay, so are we yeah. talking about like maybe bombarding a hotel and waiting for him outside? Anything like that taking place today? Uh, uh, unconfirm. I cannot confirm that because my friend was not at the hotel, but okay. I can tell you that it could have happened. Okay, stay tuned. How valuable is an Acuna Jr. autograph? Uh, it's one of the one of the topper ones in current players right now. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, he he's tough. I mean, it's it's never a guarantee with Ronald Acuna, and not that it should be. He doesn't have to sign anything for anybody, but uh, he's one of the tougher guys to get, and he's one of the best players in the sport. So without a doubt, uh, he's. He's in the top that you want to get right now, currently playing. So uh, if you get the ballpark, uh, maybe you got a chance inside to get Ronald Acuna Jr.'s um, autograph. And I also think, you know what I always think is kind of fun? Um, like, I'd like to know what these guys do. Will, will they get the dinner? Like, he's making a heck of a lot more money than these guys, right? So does he do anything special this week or while he's down in rehab with Gwinnett? to say, hey, I got dinner, or I'm going to buy this, or I'm going to bring this in, or I'm going to do that, or you just kind of, like, just fit in where you fit in, and and that's it? I think um, nobody's turning down free food, for one, you know? <laughs> so if they're going to give him some food post game, I bet he's probably going to grub on that a bit. But then, you know, at the end of the day, he is Ronald Acuna. And there, there are stories that I've heard from guys that are rehabbing um, – Back in, like, the Florida State League, what it used to be um, with the Pirates, I know that they used to have the guys who would come in on rehab would then take the whole team out to dinner. Like, I know David Fries yeah. did that on multiple occasions. So maybe those guys will be eating good tonight or at some point this week on the rest of the Braves team, hopefully, that they'll be eating good. But, hey, nobody's turning down free food. That's why I say that, it. Casey, was, we, oh, go ahead. That was more for you, Austin. I mean, you've oh, played good. in the league. You've got those kind of checks before. Oh, yeah, and, the, and they're never fun. Um, especially when you're paying for them. Uh, Casey, you know, we, we had a, a blast this past football season talking about the, the Joe Burrow swag factor. You know, I mean, I, I think we'd all agree that Joe Burrow, in terms of swag, um, took the NFL by storm. If we're going to compare, you know, the Joe Burrow swag factor to Major League Baseball player, is it Acuna Jr.? Is it Tatis Jr.? Is it Vlad Guerrero Jr.? Who are we talking about here? Yeah, I think the those are very comparable. Uh, I'm going to give it to Acuna, though. Cause Acuna? Like, listen, okay. Tatis okay. is like a two-button guy. Like, Acuna's jersey's not buttoned ever. Like, all the way down to the Braves. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can see his undershirt and then his massive chain. So Correct. Uh, and then he always does something a little special with the cleats. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tatis, you have to be into the way he wears his socks, which is kind of different. Like, he wears the high socks, but I think there's a little something at the end of them. So, I would give it to Acuna. I like the swag he's got. Okay.
I'm trying to think who else could even fit in that mold. Uh, who's like a top jer- Jersey guy? And is it is it Trout? I would guess it's Otani. Would be my oh, guess. I bet Judge is up there too, isn't he? Oh, Judge. Yeah. Judge yeah. has no. Swag. No, no, he doesn't oh, need it. Though. No I mean, it's swag. just yeah. He Judge is like a statue out there, man. Yeah, but he has negative oh, swag. No, that's what I'm saying. He, he'd be like, I'm trying to compare. Judge he's like, to... He's like Russell Wilson, bro. No sweat. <laughs> no, see, Russell Wilson at least, like, puts the effort in. I don't think judging puts the effort in. That's true. Who puts I, in no effort? Judge is like uh, Philip Rivers was. You oh, know what I'm saying? Good, like, yeah. just, you know, just rocking the pullover. Just hanging out. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to... I don't know who else... I think you guys named the three guys that would certainly be near the top of the list. I'm trying to think from a Joe Burrow way, like, out of... Because Joe Burrow came out of nowhere in, in your swag factor. Yeah, I mean, he had it in college, though, too. But, like, when he started winning and being successful, then they kind of put him on the map a little bit. Like, I mean, smoking the Sogi in the locker yeah, room, kind of having the, I don't want to say even cockiness, the confidence in the in the postgame interviews. Like, it's always been there. But, like, we didn't get to appreciate it until he started winning a lot. Yeah, I was trying to By think of like, somebody like that, right, that kind of came out of the blue or who's the stogie guy in the locker room in baseball that you'd be like, wow, that guy, he's got more swag than I thought he did. Yeah. You, know? you got a good one on YouTube from Brandon. He says Juan Soto, and that's that's oh. that's a good one. Swag, yeah. Luis Robert I, as well. Most people probably don't know Luis Robert unless you're yeah. like a diehard, but True. Luis Robert has some swag a bit. But Juan Soto's a good call because he really did come out of nowhere. And to the point you made, like if you're a diehard baseball fan, you understand he was a top prospect. But if you're not, like to Brent, your point, the Nationals won that World Series and like, he filled in for Harper. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does uh, Brett Phillips have low-key swag just because no. of his pitching prowess? No, negative swag. He lit all-world good guy, like absolutely yeah. one of the best Brett humans Phillips. on the planet. Or you don't know Brett Phillips? I mean, I know Brett. He plays for the he plays for the Rays, but, yeah. like, what? where did that come from? Well, <laughs> because I just mean just from his style. Like, he's come in and pitched quite a bit over the last few years. Okay. And it's always like a treat, you know? I got Every, you. Even just his delivery, his everything, it's like, is this real? Yeah, kind I got of you. thing, you know, and uh, so it just doesn't fit in. Uh, but I don't know him from a personality. By the way, he's in Milwaukee too before Tampa, I believe. If I'm not Was mistaken. He? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, he's, got he's him. A fun player. They didn't appreciate him in Milwaukee though. You know? nah. They do. They do like him in Tampa now. As they should. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and they should uh, is right. Um, yeah, the swag factor always uh, always pretty interesting. I love your swagometer, guys. I'm not a, a part of that, but uh, I appreciate you guys chiming in. Oh yeah, no problem, man. Just trying to help. On, on that front. Um, you just mentioned somebody else. Who did you just mention, Casey, before Robert? Uh, Juan Soto. Soto. Oh, yeah, that's what triggered me. Uh, my wife cannot stand Juan Soto. Hmm. That's weird. You know why? What's up with Juan Soto? I, I don't know why. Because of the way he takes a ball. I knew. Oh, I, I actually yeah, did know it. Yeah, I should yeah. It can't. She, like, it, yeah, it's like it's unworthy for her, right? Like, and I actually, I like Juan Soto. I think, I don't mind it at all. I think it's hilarious, really. But you can't like say it. it. It's really? so fun. Like, if you were watching the game with Steph, to see her reaction would be, like, laughable. See, funny. here's what I don't like about it, Casey, and you can question me all you want, but, like, when he does that, it looks like he's going to charge the mound. And, like, he's, like, trying to, like, stir you <laughs> yeah, down. Yeah, that's true. And, like, if I was a pitcher, I mean, two or three times into it, I would take it as disrespect. I know, but this is like the new day, Austin. Like, you do that 20 yeah, years it, ago, and you're probably getting something in your rib cage. No, right? for sure. But, like, and I get it's a new day, but, like, what that, that makes zero sense to me. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know the story behind it. I got to look it up. And He's locked uh, in, man. It, it, 
like when did he start that? Is it looks he like he wants started? to fight. I'm just saying. I don't know. I think I think it's always been a thing, but you gotta like consider you can't throw him a strike because he's gonna he's gonna make you pay. Yeah. So like yeah. you literally are seeing that ten times a game. And by yeah. the way, <laughs> on swag, Austin, if you don't know this guy, yeah. former jumbo shrimp player, Jazz Chisholm. Okay. Oh, the swag. <laughs> oh, the swag. And they get those Miami Vice jerseys going to Miami. Oh, those are mm, oh, right, something to see. I love those Miami something Vice jerseys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. here. Then Doug Peterson throwing out the first pitch as well. Hopefully see you at the baseball grounds tonight for Gwinnett against the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. More to come. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Let's talk some football when we come back. In order to get Malik Willis, I have to believe you have to, you've got to get under the top ten. I can't see him. A talented quarterback, dual threat, great kid with teams like Carolina, Atlanta, Seattle, and then Pittsburgh. Are they going to sit like New England did and wait for Mac Jones? Now, it worked for New England. They didn't give up anything. He fell to 15. Is Malik Willis going to fall to 20? That's going to be the talk of the draft, the storyline of the draft going in, because this is a division with Burrow, Sean Watson, and Lamar Jackson, and the AFC loaded with quarterbacks. i got to believe an iconic organization like Pittsburgh, the Steelers. You got to get a quarterback. It's going to be interesting who it is. You got to believe Carolina with no second and third round pick. They move off a of six down a little bit, figuring, hey, we can get Pickett or Willis and then move down if they like them both the same. That is Mel Kuyper Jr., of course, talking about the draft, which is now, oh, what do you say, nine days away, depending on how you want to count it. I think counting days is always difficult, guys. Do you count the day that it happens? Do you count the day that is today? Or is it just the in-between days? That we count down? Yeah, how many days until the draft? Uh, I mean, once again, math, you know. Um, all I know is that it's... Let's solve this riddle together. Oh, I got Do you. Do we count today? Sure. I, I struggle with that as well, by the way. I'm glad yeah, you brought I, it up because that's something that I've struggled with for 24 years of existence. No, and I'm not lying. I do this all the time. Like, it's really difficult. And so, okay, so do you, are we in a consensus we're going to count today? Like if you sure. guys are if you guys are in for it, I will. But like okay. I wouldn't usually. So you like, wouldn't. Well, today's already like we're past halfway point of the day. Okay, so let's go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That's eight days. Yeah. So are we eight days until the draft, or do we now count Thursday because it's at night, and it's really nine days until the draft? Well, See, it's tough. So how about <laughs> how about we? Oh man. How well, about, hey, uh, hey, we're just yeah. looking for answers. You yeah, can I'm, laugh at us, Austin. Oh, like, I am. But we're looking for answers. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing my butt off. Um, how about we just take it as this? How about we count one day as today and then the Thursday since it's later? So it's like almost, you know, in totality, 24 hours. Because well, the, the draft starts, I got seven. So a couple hours and some change. So let's go and count that as one day. So let's count today and draft day just as one day. I like that. Okay, so we have nine. Nine It's a visionary way to look at it for sure. There you go. It's tough, though, isn't it? I'm, I'm dead a, serious. I'm I, mean, I'm, three minutes. I don't know. I'm, I'm just living, you know. <laughs> I, all I know is that it's next Thursday. That's all like, I need to know. Okay, so I, I have a tr hard time doing this, even some things like I've covered, right? Like I've been here in Jacksonville for 14 years since 2008. That's 14 years. That was March of 2008. But I've covered like I've covered 15 players' championships now. That's weird to me. Like, that's mm. odd. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude, it's, it's math, you know? I, like, I, 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 I can't, I I can't really state math, this enough. My, like, my head's hurting. Like, when, when we count days, I have to actually go to the Google.com thing and be like, <laughs> how many days in between? 
I do that a lot. I'm not going to lie. Do you remember? And by the way, I like math. Like, I'm okay at math. I'm fine at math. I just don't know what designates a day or not. So when the Jags were still losing and we're still trying to win a game for the yes. first time since the Colts, I yes. put it in the title every single week. Like, it's been so-and-so days on the Monday that they lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, for a while when I was coming in, it would autofill. How, like on the Google, I would type how, and it would be many days since September, whatever, 2020. It's like, oh, okay. You use it quite a bit. And I'm being honest. To. The, the, the draft can't get here fast enough. I'll say that much. It, can, it cannot get here fast enough. This isn't a draft story. This is a real-life issue. For who? For all of us. I mean, who's, who's all of us? Listen, two or three have problems with this. Yeah, but it's two or three on the show. We, 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 we aren't necessarily the most normal uh, people out there. I guarantee you people right now are saying, Brent, Casey, hey, I'm with you, man. Do, do, I feel do, do, do you know, you know what the draft is? Next Thursday. <laughs> the end. Right? Let's go and save 15 minutes of this segment and say it's next Thursday. <laughs> Simple as that. Uh, why are you trying to save 15 minutes? Killing 15 minutes might be better All since right. we've talked everything about the draft. All right. <laughs> Mel, uh, Mel Kuyper talking about court. You know, I did this on TV last night after we discussed it about the trading-up scenario of Malik Willis. And it's really interesting, like, when I see it written on my script for TV mm -hmm. compared to how we said it. It's another thing, I guess. But it really jumped out to me more when I said Detroit at 2, Houston at 3, Giants at 5, Carolina at 6, uh, Atlanta at 8, Seattle at 9. That's a lot of teams in the top nine picks that could be interested. Could be. Now, Detroit doesn't have any reason to go anywhere, right? Because they're going to wait, and they know Jacksonville's not taking a quarterback. The only way they can get burned is if somebody jumps in front of them. Correct. Which, of course, is what Jacksonville's trying to hope happens. They'd love for Detroit to be interested. Somebody feel that out in Seattle or Carolina or somebody else. Say, hey, we're coming to get them. Uh, and I'm not even talking about like what Mel Kuyper was talking about, I think, like Pittsburgh back at number 20. But... Um, it really is interesting, though, when you put it on paper, the discussion we had yesterday at who would be interested, and then you guys even threw Seattle in there at number nine. Um, and it's going to be fascinating. I don't think that anybody trades up with the Jacks. I'm still a firm believer in that. But I still think it's very fascinating where Pickett and Malik Willis go in this draft. And I don't think they do drop out of – I'm not sure they drop out of the top ten guys. Yeah, I mean, and it kind of depends, too, of who the top quarterback taken is going to be. Because much like I feel like, you know, we talk about the edge rushers and Hutchinson probably being the safe guy and maybe a guy like Walker or Thibodeau being maybe the boomer bust, I get that exact same sense when we talk about Kenny Pickett and when we talk about Malik Willis. I think Kenny Pickett can come in day one and probably be, you know, the, the, the most successful quarterback his rookie year just because garnered of who he's played against, what his tools are, what he can bring to the table. And then you have a guy like, like Malik Willis, who there is still a little bit of unknown. You know, the, the, this is a guy who played at a smaller school, um, who has the arm strength, who has the dual threat capability. But, like, how does he, how is he going to respond playing to, you know, obviously much better competition now? Um, we saw with Josh Allen, it, it took about a year of, you know, kind of going through your bumps and everything to get acclimated. One would say that Kenny Pickett can be acclimated maybe day one a little better than Malik Willis can. So there's definitely an argument even of who the top quarterback is going to be. And I think depending on who the team is, is going to depend on who the top quarterback taken will be.
Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Who meets its needs? A lot of people have said Carolina. Could they go pick it because they're feeling a little bit of heat? Matt Rule, to your point. So um, it, it'll be certainly something to watch. But I really do think now, like, I think I'd put some money on these guys going in the top ten. Yeah. I'm no, really yeah, good. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I get, like, it's wide receivers, wide receivers, all this stuff, and I understand that. But you can't fail to neglect the fact of maybe there are two or three decent quarterbacks who could be great quarterbacks in this draft and everything else is kind of secondary. So when we talk about that, I mean, if a team's in the market for a quarterback and there's a lot of teams that are, well, then you got to pull the trigger. I'm a big believer on draft day of getting the fan base and me excited, right? Uh, so for the Jags, like, I really want the Jags to, okay, take your guy at number one. If it's Hutchinson, I'm fine with Walker. Uh, I, that's it. Uh, Hutchinson or Walker right now for me. Uh, otherwise, I'd be scratching my head a little bit, but whatever. Take your guy. But now I really want them about 10 o'clock at night to trade to, like, number 22 and go get a receiver that they covet rather yeah. than waiting around to get the receiver that may fall to them. Like, But I do that. I'm not saying that's the most sensible option. I don't know what their board says. I think it's probably a good option to be aggressive and go get it. And that's why I said this about, like, Trent Bulky. Bulky's got such an easy gig to win over the fans a little bit. Spend the money. He already did it. Now go be aggressive in the draft and go get Trevor another weapon. And nobody's going to be mad at you for doing that. Now, you might be wrong, but at least for now, nobody's going to be mad at you if you really care about any of that stuff, which I hope he really doesn't care about that stuff, but you get my point. Mm -hmm. So I'm like... Hey, let's go. Let's go do that, right? Let's be aggressive. I'm, I mean, that would be a hell of a lot of fun, right, Austin? No, it'd be a lot of fun. But I think for for job security, he's got a lot in his plate already, though, because he has to select the, the the top guy overall, and it has to be the right guy. Because if you take the wrong edge rusher, let's say maybe far fetched that's gonna be an offensive lineman. If you take the wrong guy, number one. Well, then that's grounds for dismissal right there, regardless of what you do in the drafts in terms of trading up to get your wide receiver. And then, in fact, if you do trade up to get your wide receiver and he's not the guy either, well, then once again, I think that's grounds for dismissal. So I wonder how much risk Balky wants to do here, right? Because, I mean, if you look at free agency, all right, great. You know, you, you signed a lot of guys. There's a lot of fresh faces here. That's what needed to happen. You spent a lot of money. Okay, so be it. Did you pay Christian Kirk a little too much money? Probably, but who really cares, right? If, if, if he gets over 1,000 yards, if he's the top receiver, people aren't going to care after this season. All right, so simple as that. I'm not worried about that. But what I am worried about is how this draft is going to shake out and the job security of Trent Balky. So, yeah, I mean, top pick, the most important thing. If you do trade up, it better be for the right guy. Second most important thing. So I think that the, 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 the more you try to move and shake um, and, quote, unquote, get your guys, I think the more risk you run into in terms of say, uh, having us say and maybe, you know, your boss say, well, we did this move, but did it really pan out like we wanted it to? Yeah, uh, but Austin, let me just pull devil's advocate here. First of all, this is a guy, uh, let's just take, take from bulky seat, and you should never do anything to appease the fans. But appease me for a moment. And let's just say he wanted to do that anyway, and he wanted to be aggressive. And, again, you get your edge guy, you can, you can make sense of any guy you pick probably because you need an upgrade there. You've had seven and a half and six and a half sack leaders. You've had terrible turnovers. You've been awful on that side of the ball. It's an upgradable position by far. So, okay, I think you can wrestle with that. I think uh, 
then you trade back in, and oh man, who are they going to pick? There's excitement on draft night. Then they go get a receiver, and let's just say it's uh, let's just say Jamison Williams slips, right? And you can sit there and be like, man, this guy might miss like the first month, but he's going to be a key part. He was the number one wide receiver on the board. We got him at number 22. It was worth the trade up. Blah 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 blah. So now everybody's excited. I'm excited. I like the idea that you were aggressive. You don't need all those picks that, well, this organization has messed up over the years. And to your point, will we even know if he messed it up over the next eight to ten months anyway? Absolutely. I, I think you we think will. we could know that quickly? In terms of an edge rush? Yeah. I think if you draft a guy like Hutchinson and Thibodeau sets the, the league on fire, wouldn't you know? Yeah, but... Well, it doesn't necessarily – well, I guess you're right. I, I, you could get outperformed and you could start scratching your head, but, yeah. like, isn't – that doesn't mean Hutchinson's bad. Now, but if Hutchinson but in, gets two sacks, I, I guess, and, and Thibodeau gets 12, you've got a good point, yeah. Yeah, but but it means that but you, Davis you didn't – Davis Mills outperformed Trevor Lawrence, and we're not mad about it. But, yeah, but that's, that's my point of why I don't buy into the hype and, like, you should appease the fans. How how hyped were we last year for the draft? How, how hyped were we when we got Trevor Lawrence? How how quickly did that hype go away? Uh, probably a plane ride home from Cincinnati. Okay. So what, week four? Yeah, well, again, I don't know. If we're, are we still not hyped about Trevor Lawrence? I kind of feel like... No, I'm listen, I'm hyped about Trevor Lawrence, but it's not about hype. It's about winning football games. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's, it's the hype for the season. It's not hype about one player. Like, the reason we got hyped for Trevor Lawrence was because we thought Trevor Lawrence was going to come in here and win some games. And unfortunately, it didn't really pan out like that. So, like, you know, after the Cincinnati trip or whatever loss you want to count, that hype kind of went away a little bit. So I'm not necessarily concerned about the hype in terms of, well, I know this guy, I know this guy. I'm concerned about getting the best players available to help you win games. Yeah. I, I Listen, I understand you can't flat out whiff on somebody. Like, that's obvious. You can't flat out whiff. Uh, but I also think it's very hard to tell in the first season a lot if you flat out whiff. I, I don't... Unless somebody is just, again, with their number one selection, you certainly have this capability. You're right, because of Thibodeau or uh, maybe it's a walker. Let me ask you this. Do you think that if they take Hutchinson and for whatever reason Thibodeau gets rookie of the year, did you whiff? Well, not if Hutchinson got 10 sacks. Okay. I don't think you whiffed. Because if you got 10 sacks, the other guy got 12 and a half and one rookie of the year. Maybe he's in a better situation. You know, I don't. I don't think that's a whiff. Like, are we hammering bul bulky? If that's the case, I think like the draft you need a little bit more. Now, no. If if after two years and one guy's got 24 sacks and the other guy's got four, well then you whiff. If you picked, if you let Chase on over Justin Jefferson, you whiffed. Like I get that. That's been a couple years worth. We know it. I just, I'm, I'm gonna hold the GM accountable for taking the best player available at number one. That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, we talk more football. We come back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 600. We're live from the baseball grounds. Jumbo Shrimp in action. Ronald Acuna here. Doug Peterson throwing out the first pitch. Should be a fun night here for the shrimp. First pitch around 7 o'clock. He was incredible. 22 minutes plus 32. That, that's insane. But I, I thought his patience was great. They, they did a great job of trying to take take the pocket away. We got the best of them in the pocket that first game. And so they did a great job of trying to take that pocket pass away. Early on, a little bit, we struggled with it. When Steph came in the game, he just 
he just drove until they stopped him. And the big was kind of shaded towards me to take the pocket away. So he just kept driving them. I think that broke their defense down. And, and once he started doing that, you know, now you got him into the paint, kicking out and flying back off for threes. That's, that's when Steph Curry is at his most dangerous. Sure sounds like Draymond Green to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Steph Curry was sensational last night. Jordan Poole stand up as well. The pride of Rufus King Milwaukee. Where the heck's that? Yeah. It's, it's in Milwaukee. <laughs> Rufus King is, um, it's it's like a Catholic school. Oh, okay. It's, it's like an inner city Catholic school, yeah. Um, yeah, the, uh, how good are the Warriors? They're great. I mean, they're kind of firing all cylinders once again. You know, Steph Curry looks like um, he's back to his old form, and now he's got a protege, it seems like. There's like a third splash brother in Jordan Poole who's playing out of his mind it's yeah. and like this is why uh, i love the, the warriors and this is why uh, mike tannenbaum can go kick rocks because he doesn't always talk about when he calls us the you know the, the golden state warriors of the nfl let it play out the, the what, what what play out how has the draft been for the jaguars the past decade started last year with trevor and etn baby okay and how's that pan how's that panned out We'll wait and see. Okay, but I'm saying the past decade because I'm trying to prove a point here. How's the past decade of the Jaguars draft been? It's not been pretty good. Okay. How, how, how's the drafting of the Golden State Warriors been? Some would say Very pretty good. dang good. Good. Yeah. So, some would say Jordan Poole's good. Yeah. Draymond Green's not bad. Good. Clay Thompson's okay. Okay. Is Steph Curry good? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm. It's it, the, that's why I, I can't hate on the Golden State Warriors because they've essentially built it all in-house. And yeah. the, it, it's hard to, to hate on that. Yeah, it, well, I know, but we let's not twist what Tannenbaum was saying. He, he's saying that Trevor could be the start of what the Warriors built. Hey, Brent, you know, joking though, right? I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just joking about it. Hmm. Okay, I know, but I know you take what, what's could we look down five years down the road and they have to draft it just like that? That's how you build it. Is Trevor Lawrence going to win the MVP in the next five years? Do you think? Uh, I mean, I would bet against that. Are they going to have a defensive player of the year? More likely than Trevor winning MVP. Is it? Which one's more likely? I think I think Josh Allen. Josh Allen? Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, hard to say, but if you ask these same questions, like in year one of the build of the Warriors, you would say no way, too, though. That's the point, right? No, but that's that's what I'm saying. Like what we know now about the Warriors, they have MVP and Steph Curry. They they have a defensive player um, of the year, I believe, in Draymond Green. Um, do the Jaguars have that? Uh, it, I mean, like, I mean, obviously we don't know, but I'm saying where we sit right now, do they have that? Yeah, well, I no, I would say no. I would bet against it. But I hope Trevor has the ability to be in those conversations, and quite frankly, I hope a guy like Josh Allen does too. Absolutely. That'd be good for you everybody. Know. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Um, anything surprise you last night in the NBA? Uh, how good the war, I mean, how good the war, uh, how good the 76ers are without, I guess, James Harden playing like he's supposed to play. Um, and this is kind of a testament to, I guess, Tobias Harris. Um, Tobias Harris is playing lights awesome. out right now. Yeah, he's been, been awesome. fantastic. Um, so I'm a little surprised by that. But, but overall, I mean, in terms of the, like, the, the wins and everything, nothing really shocked me, I guess, last night. Dallas without Luka? Yeah. Yeah, but I had them winning the that series anyways. That's true. I mean, 
they had to win last night. Like they, they had no option. So yeah, and they were at home. Yeah, yeah and yeah. you can't go down 2-0. Jalen Brunson was great. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, me and Brian Milton argued about that on OT. It's cool. <laughs> I picked Dallas. He didn't, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, humble brag. Hey, get it in when you can. Absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, the 76 is hard. And I see, I've, I've, said, I've said this for a while, guys. My problem with James Harden is I think in Houston he proved he wasn't clutch. Yeah. And is he going to go empty again? Is he going to disappear? And, and maybe they've got enough because of Embiid and, and now, like, a guy like Tobias Harris who's playing really well, and that's paying off for him. But, I mean, is, is this going to be a thing with Harden where, like, Prince going to always say, yeah, man, you were fine. You could score. You were this. You got a great beard. But, I mean, you're certainly not clutch. Yeah, I mean, see, the whole vibe now with him in Philly, like, he doesn't really have to be the clutch guy unless I think the game is on the line. Like, you know, I mean, even his first couple of games there, they made it very apparent that it is Embiid's team. And and Harden's main goal is to try to facilitate, and then when he's open, is to try to, you know, hit that three-pointer and go to the foul line like he does so miraculously well to the point where it gets a little sick watching it sometimes because he's so good at getting guys in the air and jumping into those guys, and for whatever reason, the refs call a foul on the defender. Um, I think Harden understands his role. He just has to do a better job at said role. You know, I mean, he only had six assists last night. Um, it, it, it definitely was the Joel Embiid show. So I've, is he clutch? Not right now he's not, but I'm not sure if he really has to be for the Sixers to be you know, a, a great team going forward. Yeah. Uh, all right. Tonight you got the Hawks, the Heat, Timberwolves, Grizzlies, Pelicans, Suns. Uh, you just said must win last night for Dallas. Is it must win for the Hawks who are down one nothing in Miami? I mean, yeah, but I think it's all yeah. said and done with that series. I mean, I, 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 I just, just think they're just better. The, 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 the Heat are too good. Well, That's what happens when you let they, that many teams in the uh, And they need Trey Young to do so. I mean, he was awful. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if Trey Young could carry him to victory, I don't know if he can do it four times, but he certainly got to score and shoot better than he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about uh, is it must-win time for the Grizzlies? Down one nothing at home. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's must-win time for the Grizzlies, especially with all the, the pressure that John Morant seems to be putting on himself now via social media on Instagram. Um, you know, this is another game that they're favored to win. And I think right now the Timberwolves are playing with a lot of attitude uh, and, and a lot of swagger. So the last thing you want if you're the Memphis Grizzlies is to go down 0-2 at home and then have to go down to Minnesota where, you know, you got fans going on the court and chaining themselves and, and God knows what. So, I mean, that, that's going to be must-see TV. Like, seriously, I, I get it. Heat Hawks could be intriguing. Um, you know, Suns, Pelicans, it's whatever. To me, the must-see game and the must-see series so far has been the, I mean, Celtics, Nets, obviously. But besides that is the Grizzlies-Timberwolves because it has everything. It's got fans going on the court doing crazy stuff. It's got (laughs) trash talk. It's got star players. Like, what can't you like about the Grizzlies-Timberwolves, which is crazy that in 2022, this is the conversation that we're having right now. It's a great call. Yeah, that is a really good call because who would ever say that? Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of like saying, uh... Wasn't it two years ago? It was like the Bills and the Browns were really good. No, for sure, for sure. <laughs> it's kind of like, what? Did I go to sleep for 20 years? Yeah. Yes, you <laughs> might have. Uh, it's crazy. NBA spreads this thing out so much. They haven't played since Saturday. Yeah. That series. And they didn't switch towns. It's pretty wild. Uh, we'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Shock your mock coming up some nine days, we think. Away from the NFL draft, we are live at the Jacksonville Jumbo Trip. They host Ronald Acuna and Gwinnett.
Tonight at 7, you can listen to the game on ESPN 690. In between our show and the Jumbo Trip, catch Action Sports Shacks OT with Casey Kurtz and Brian Middleton. We'll be right back. Shock your mock up next. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.